953 revolutions around the sun and other ordinary miracles. Written by Magnolia822 and read by Literarian. Chapter 3 Somewhere between Bristol and London, 1850 Aziraphale checked his watch and then checked it again. Sighing, he folded the newspaper he'd brought and set it down on the red velvet seat to the left of him, which was still vacant. The train whistled and Aziraphale frowned, his stomach clenching with nerves. All around him, the other passengers in the first-class car were talking or otherwise amusing themselves, some playing cards, others smoking. A woman dressed in silk held a small child on her lap, and it smiled and cooed at Aziraphale, who had never really been fond of children. He gave it a little wave, knowing that if Crowley were here, he would pull a silly face to make it laugh. An instant later, the child's attention was called to someone else more amusing, and Aziraphale looked out the window. Outside, the day was foggy and grey, an unremarkable late afternoon in midwinter. Aziraphale closed his eyes and settled his head back against the seat, but he was far from comfortable. He hadn't seen the demon in almost forty years. Early in the 19th century, Crowley had decided that he was tired and he was going to take a nap, and while Aziraphale understood, the 18th century had been long and exhausting, what with all the revolutions, he couldn't also help feeling a bit put out. A bit like the demon was abandoning him. Just a little. He knew it wouldn't last forever and that they were immortal beings, but Crowley was clearly going through something he didn't want to share. Maybe it was that last part that bothered Aziraphale the most. These days he had resigned himself to a century on his own, but he had received an unexpected telegram from the demon the day before, which asked to meet him on the Great Western Railway, Bristol departure at three. For a moment, Aziraphale had almost considered not obliging him, but it was useless to pretend that he wasn't eager to see the demon. He had arrived at half-past the previous hour and, ticket procured, promptly boarded with ten minutes to spare. The train whistled again, and a mingled feeling of disappointment, annoyance and despair settled over his corporation. He let out a sigh and closed his eyes again, lest something leak from them. The little child started to wail. Aziraphale, came a warm voice in his ear. You came. Aziraphale blinked his eyes open and turned his head. 
Crowley was sat in the seat next to him, wearing his curious glasses, looking the height of fashion in his closely cut, long black jacket and grey check trousers. His silk tie had a thread of red through it, which made the sideburns peeking out from under his top hat even more vibrant. Aziraphale couldn't tear his eyes away. It was ridiculous to feel as though he'd been trapped underwater and was finally able to breathe again. Hello, Crowley. The train began to pull away from the station. Cutting it a bit close, aren't you? Sorry, I... I had some business to attend. Ah, said Aziraphale. Crowley likely had a backlog of temptations to perform. It made sense that he would have to spend some time catching up. Nothing too onerous, I trust? Nothing too big, no. The guillotine bought me about eighty years of time off, give or take. You had nothing at all to do with the guillotine, as I recall. In fact, Crowley had rescued him from a terrible or at least inconvenient, this corporation from the very same machine, and afterwards they had eaten crepes and spent almost a week in bed. True, but they don't know that. Crowley waggled his eyebrows, and just like that it was like no time had passed at all between them. They fell into conversation about this and that, with Aziraphale filling in some of the world events that had passed. Crowley, for his part, did a lot more listening than usual, but he smiled softly as Aziraphale spoke, and Aziraphale wondered if he were mad. All of his irritation, his loneliness, his longing seemed both repressed by Crowley's presence, yet amplified so that he was no longer sure how he felt. The train stopped once, then twice, at other stations, but Aziraphale had lost all sense of time and place. Crowley gave no indication for why he had wanted to meet and why he had woken up. Still, Aziraphale got the feeling that there was a pressing reason, only one that Crowley could not, or would not, express. Long ago, he wouldn't have cared at all about forty years. What was forty years to them when they were immortal and would exist until the end of eternity? But forty years was long compared to the frequency with which Aziraphale had become accustomed to seeing Crowley since they'd sat for portraits by Leonardo. And they were not invulnerable. The little scar on Crowley's thigh was always a reminder of that. One of Aziraphale's greatest fears was that something should happen to Crowley while they were apart, and Aziraphale would never see him again. They rolled closer to London. The child and its mother got off the train, but not before Crowley did indeed make a silly face to make the little imp laugh. 
A young girl offering cigars in a box came by and was politely declined. Not for the first time, Aziraphale wished he could see the demon's eyes behind the reflective glass covering them. Usually, he would take the glasses off when they were alone, but they were far from alone now, and Aziraphale wanted nothing more than to be alone. He could feel Crowley's breath on his face, and he smelled that comforting, familiar scent. Leather, spice, a hint of smoke. Something of the sentiment must have shown on his face. Crowley, who had been in the middle of saying something, Aziraphale knew not what, left off, and for a moment they just stared at one another. Their arms brushed, and even with layers of fabric between them, Aziraphale felt the electric heat he always did when they connected. I've missed you. Crowley said, his voice low and seductive. This had quite a cooling effect Crowley hadn't likely intended. Aziraphale scoffed. You could have seen me at any time these last forty years, you ignoramus. No, I couldn't. I don't understand. Can you please explain to me why we are on this train? They saw us together, Angel. Crowley's face fell. Aziraphale had never seen him look so utterly miserable, and it scared him. What? Who? He glanced around, just to be on the safe side, but there was no hint of any ethereal or occult beings in their carriage. Just ordinary humans, with no idea an angel and a demon sat among them. Crowley leaned closer. Beelzebub did. I don't know why they were checking up, but they saw us at Brooks having dinner. An intimate dinner. I thought it was best to avoid you for a time. Aziraphale felt the words like a slap. He remembered the night in question. They'd had a delicious dinner after seeing Macbeth in Covent Garden. You didn't tell me. Didn't want to scare you. I've handled it, don't worry. You were never in any danger. Crowley sounded a bit more like he was trying to convince himself than made Aziraphale entirely comfortable. What did you tell them? I told them that I was trying to seduce you, to try to get information. Crowley said with a little shrug. I figured it was close enough to the truth not to sound like a lie. Don't worry, they don't think I was successful, he quickly said, and Aziraphale pursed his lips, his fingers worrying the tiny gilt buttons of his waistcoat. There were many questions vying for precedence in his mind. But why the train? How is it any safer for us to be here? 
Demons don't trust technology. At least most demons. They have absolutely no imagination and they fear anything they don't understand. Hmm, Aziraphale frowned. Crowley's explanation made sense, but at the same time something rankled him. I wish you hadn't made a unilateral decision without discussing it with me. We could have made a plan. It was too dangerous. Anything could have given us away. Aziraphale sighed and rubbed the bridge of his nose. Crowley was right, of course. Demons were suspicious creatures as a rule, and Beelzebub would likely have kept an eye on Crowley for some time. And now? I wanted to see you. The words were said simply, honestly enough. Crowley slid his glasses down his nose so that Aziraphale could see his eyes. They were not beautiful in any objective sense, but to Aziraphale they were lovely. Right now they were filled with an emotion Aziraphale couldn't name. There is something else, isn't there? Crowley swallowed and shook his head. It's not important right now. We can discuss it another day. But you're right, we do need a plan. He pushed his glasses back into place and rested his head against the seat behind him. The train jostled as it picked up steam from the last stop, and suddenly Aziraphale realized they were alone in the car. A most unusual circumstance, as the GWR was usually busy all the way to the end of the line. It was surely a demonic miracle. When will I see you again? That was the question now burning inside of him. They would arrive at London soon. Gotta keep laying low for a while longer. I think... Probably not for a while. I see. Aziraphale swallowed down his disappointment, but the bitter taste remained. When had the demon become so important to him? Had it been in Rome? Or even earlier? The first night together, that first snow... Crowley had been so wonderful, and Aziraphale had been shocked at his own behaviour. He had thought he would go off and repent, beg for the Almighty's forgiveness, but he never had. It didn't seem quite fair for them to meet and get on the way they did, if it were wrong. Why would the Almighty throw them together if by their very natures they must forever be apart? Still, he nodded. He nodded and he put his hand out. Crowley covered it with his own. I'll send word when it's safe. All right. I'm sorry, Angel. 
If there's anything I can do for you regarding our arrangement... Nothing. Things have been quiet since I opened the shop. I... There is much to do. Oh, yeah. How's that going? He smiled a little smile. Aziraphale knew that Crowley found the bookshop quaint and amusing. He was tempted to go on and regale him with humorous stories of his customers, who often came in with the troubling notion they could purchase one of his books, but he stopped himself. Time seemed very much of the essence. Instead of answering, he slid his hand from under Crowley's on the armrest between them and placed it on the demon's thigh. He could feel the heated skin underneath the woolen trousers and he was suddenly desperate with need. It had been so long. Angel! On the train? Crowley said with full outrage. He was grinning. As you've perhaps noticed, we are quite alone. Aziraphale raised an eyebrow. That wasn't me, I swear. It must have been you. Preposterous said Aziraphale, but he squeezed Crowley's thigh and watched with pleasure as the demon's thighs opened to him. There was a substantial bulge between them, and Aziraphale rubbed the length of it. Crowley moaned. Aziraphale's own member was already throbbing as Crowley's hand drifted towards him. Somehow, they managed to get themselves free, and Aziraphale wrapped his hand around Crowley, feeling the silky skin and rubbing his thumb over the wet tip. He gave a tentative stroke, and Crowley let out a hiss. Crowley did the same to him, and Aziraphale bit his lower lip, watching them both. Yeah, angel, fuck. Stroke my cock. Crowley! The indecent words inflamed him. His own member pulsed and ached in Crowley's fist, shorter and fatter than Crowley's long, elegant shaft. What? I want you, angel. Spin too long. Tell me you want me to get you off. Tell me you touched yourself and thought of me. Crowley's hand was moving fast on him now, up and down, and Aziraphale couldn't help moving his hips to get closer. He squeezed Crowley and marvelled at how hard he was, how much he wanted. They were both shiny and wet with desire, held by each other, and Aziraphale wouldn't have cared if the queen herself had entered the carriage. He wouldn't, couldn't stop touching Crowley. Yeah, just like that. Your hand feels so good. 
Crowley kept talking, his words a litany of all the filthiest things he wanted to do, and Aziraphale was quite dizzy with it. They were leaning their heads together, breaths mingling, lips brushing together in a not-quite kiss. Soon they had built up a rhythm, both of their hands moving in time, and Haziraphale found himself sinking into bliss. Yes, he had touched himself and thought of the demon, but it had never felt as good as this, as all-consuming. He gasped as Crowley tightened his grip and reciprocated. By now, both of them knew each other so well, it wouldn't take long. Already, Aziraphale could feel the telltale tightening in his groin and the flames licking the base of his spine. Come on, Angel. Want to hear you say it. What? Aziraphale's lips ghosted over Crowley's. Tell me what's going to happen. What am I doing to you? Aziraphale looked down at their members jutting from their open trousers. He was barely holding himself back. You're going to make me come. Yeah, Crowley grunted, and then he was kissing Aziraphale, sliding their tongues together. Warm wetness spilled over Aziraphale's hand as Crowley throbbed in his grip, and seconds later he was doing the same, his corporation shuddering as the waves of pleasure crested over him, drawing him under. They breathed together as they came back to themselves, and Aziraphale was about to miracle the mess away, when Crowley withdrew his hand and, watching Aziraphale from behind his glasses, licked the spend from his fingers with his long, pink tongue. Feeling emboldened, Aziraphale did the same, savouring Crowley's taste. They looked at one another for a long while before either of them made the move to do up their trousers, but at last the train was slowing again, and the sign for Paddington Station came into view in the window beyond. Trats, Aziraphale said under his breath, but obviously Crowley heard him. What will you do now? Oh, back to the shop. I've got a special delivery coming tomorrow. One of your blasphemous Bibles, perhaps? No, actually, a Shakespeare folio. Crowley smiled. Ah, another of our mutual friends. One feels one has a duty to preserve their work. You could just become a book collector, Angel. Why the shop? So I blend in with the humans, of course, my dear. Crowley gave him a bemused look. Yeah, you blend. 
Aziraphale fiddled with his clothing, ensuring there were no telltale smudges or spots as brakes squealed on the track as the train came to a full stop. Satisfied, he smoothed his palms down the front of his velvet waistcoat. Should we walk out together? Crowley shook his head. Best not. All right, then. I suppose I will see you when I see you. A hot, uncomfortable lump formed in Aziraphale's throat. Please, do take care, Crowley. Of course. You too, Angel. Take care. Crowley leaned forward and brushed their lips together. Then he was gone. Aziraphale closed his eyes and breathed in. He could still smell Crowley, but already the scent was dissipating in the air. He opened them again, hoping to catch a glimpse of Crowley on the platform, but the demon had already vanished, obscured by the steam and the cold London evening. He stood, intending to miracle himself quickly back to his shop, but then he noticed something on the seat that Crowley had vacated. It was a letter, sealed with red wax. Aziraphale slipped it into his breast pocket as more human passengers entered the train. It was heavy against him the entire way back to the shop. He had decided to walk, to give himself space to think things through, but he found he could only think of the letter and what it might contain. Back at the shop, he made himself a cup of tea and lit the oil lamp. He settled down with the letter and, with his opener, undid the seal, spreading the pages down flat to read Crowley's neat hand. There were two sheets. On the first, a letter. A. I'm sorry that our meeting tonight was brief. I know you must still be angry with me for withholding certain information, and you have every right to be. I can only hope that you will forgive me before we meet again, and know that these circumstances are as bitter to me perhaps even more so, as they must be to you. Or do I presume too much? Is it a presumption for me to think you care for me? That you miss me? I miss you, Angel, more than I can say. And perhaps that is all I can or should say for now. Please burn this letter. I've included another enclosure, a sign for your shop to dissuade customers. It's only a lark, but feel free to use it if you think it will dispel those unwanted guests. Until we meet again. See. Aziraphale folded the letter carefully. He knew right away he would never burn it even if it brought him ruin. 
he unlocked the drawer in his desk that contained some of the most precious items he'd collected over the years. A black feather, a tiny stone from a cave on a hill, and many others. And set the letter down among them. It was foolish to keep these trinkets, but yet he kept accumulating them, and he had taken to wearing the key around his neck, under his clothes, for safekeeping. He replaced it now, though his angelic wards were probably a greater deterrent. The other enclosure he placed in the shop window. Late that night, it began to snow, and Aziraphale drank his tea and looked out into it from the little flat above the bookshop. He looked out into the snow, and he thought of Crowley.